Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. So Daniel and I just had like a 40-minute conversation about church structure, and like we both, I think, have a disagreement in a, in ter- I, philosophy is like a word, to, a strange word to use in terms of Christian circles, because philosophy is like a word specifically used to say not helpful or like worldly thought process. But I think we disagree. I don't know. You want to call it theologically in a particular area? That's all Patreon stuff. And if that sounds interesting to you, you can support on Patreon for $3 a month and you'll get access to it whenever I upload it, which will be pretty soon. We have a difference in ecclesiology. But, a difference in ecclesiology. Okay, there we go. But I hope that you did include in this episode my story of a guy almost cutting his leg off with a chainsaw on my way to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Hmm. <laughs> that sounds like something that a $3 supporter would listen to. That sounds like special content. I mean, a lot of my story is in my description just now, but there's a lot of nuance in how I tell the story. <laughs> if you want the nuance version, support for $3 a month. Oh man, it's uh, hey, it helps out with us, and we'll we'll be doing special stuff in the future, like an entire God's Not Dead series. So that'll be, and they just keep making them, man. There was like a was it a fifth one last year? There was a fifth, a fourth. I, they or stopped fifth numbering one? them at a certain point. I gotta say, as somebody who went on record, I I turned on this microphone and I said I do not like the first Sonic movie when it came out, and I was in the minority. You enjoyed it for what it was. A lot of people heralded it as like the best um, video game movie, except maybe Detective Pikachu. Everyone was Sonic Mania swept the nation, and then it was immediately replaced by the other thing that swept the nation, which is the COVID-19 virus. <laughs> I can't outrun COVID, man. Oh, man. <laughs> the problem with running faster than light is you always live in darkness, which is my favorite <laughs> quote from an un- unofficial Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Look it up. But I, so I was, I will say, and if you go back and listen to it, I was cautiously optimistic because the credits reveal, I don't know if it's right before the credits or if it's last stinger, reveal that Tails, Miles P. Hour, uh, was going to be the next one, voiced by the current voice actor from the video games. And there were things I liked about the first Sonic movie. Everyone loves Jim Carrey's performance as Dr. Robotnik, also called Eggman, which I appreciate they just split the difference and call them both in the movie. Yeah, just do both. Yeah. So I was like, okay, there's some stuff here. There's some stuff in the stew that I, I'm into. And then the reveal that Idris Elba was playing Knuckles voicing i'm sure he, i sure he did a mocap on set that'd be insane but <laughs> give us that give us that cut <laughs> and <laughs> where he's just crawling around <laughs> doing oh, all the things that so cats good. do that's right Come on, fowler Let's do which it. is funny because that means that in this movie there's just scenes where jim carrey just alone on a set with a green screen just losing his mind which you can kind of see that in certain scenes but I will say just to get it out before before we get into plot pseudo synopsis slash initial feelings i kind of like this movie like i thought it was i thought it was a lot better than the first one it's a good adventure movie it's got fun adventure it's got surprise dance sequence which i'm all about not so cool about the 
song they pick. It's just stereotypical dance songs oh for my kids. Gosh. But like, um, the next time I hear Uptown Funk is the next time I am putting myself in a casket and I will bury myself. It will happen physically. It's going to take place. Um, but yeah, it's it. This was a good time. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I guess should we just should we just talk about what happens in the movie or well um yeah just a quick sonic the hedgehog 2 is a uh written and directed by jeff fowler who i did not know this until recently he directed the cgi cutscenes for the shadow the hedgehog <laughs> video game so it's just in his blood uh it is written by him pat casey josh miller john whittington who work those guys will all work on a lot of kids films they were writers in some of the Lego movies and um, the Fox animated series Golan the Insatiable, which no one saw because it's not very good. Uh, but this is a sequel to the original Sonic the Hedgehog film. And the first thing they did, which is they did it right, which is they addressed my main issue with the first one, which is that I don't understand this running thing in Hollywood where they take popular kids franchises and just shove them into generic kids movie structures without really embracing the things that make the original property pop in the first place. This movie does not have that problem or very quickly, they kind of jettison the human characters off to the side. They introduced in quick succession, tails and knuckles. Dr. Robotnik is back and he is trying to get the master emerald, which is a thing from the video games. And they actually do kind of run through the plot of Sonic the Hedgehog three and Sonic and knuckles over the course of the movie which granted those games did not have big extensive deep plots or anything, but the fact they just took that framework and made a movie around it, I think is very smart. It features tons of scenes of just the animated characters interacting with each other. As somebody found Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog extremely annoying in the first movie. I think it's very smart to actually put him next to characters that force him to do different things. And they even have Knuckles consistently mention that Sonic is annoying, which kind of helps. Uh, yeah, the basic plot is they need to Sonic and Tails team up to go get the Master Emerald before Dr. Robotnik and Knuckles the Echidna get it first. Knuckles has the exact same character arc he does in the video games with admittedly a little more charisma because Idris Elba is behind the microphone. And there's some horribly annoying side plots, including a running thing with a wedding. And Shamar Moore from Criminal Minds is in the movie for some reason. And they introduced the gun organization from the Sonic like adventure games, which I was surprised by. Kind of cool. All of that stuff is really dumb. Um, I mean, that that aspect of it is cool. But the main story of Knuckles, spoilers, realize that Dr. Eggman, Mr. Robotnik, is not the best guy in the world. What a surprise. Yeah, I know. Shocker. And eventually they have to team up to fight Dr. Robotnik. And if it's a, it's a generic kids movie, but as far as kids movies go... This is a solid one. It doesn't insult the audience's intelligence. There's a couple things where it just feels like someone had to. The big thing is, of course, the pop culture references feel like they're written by old men trying to appeal to kids. There's yeah. a dance sequence to Uptown Funk. Dr. Robotnik flosses, which is annoying because Sonic flossing in the first movie got zero reaction from my theater. And this somehow got less of than a zero reaction. Like it could feel people enjoy the movie less as he was doing it. And But outside of that, it's a nice little kids movie. If it is the good movie for a parent to take the kids to see where the parent, there's things in there that will make you laugh. I was the only adult in the theater who did not, who was not there with children. However, the dad next to me, he and I laughed at all the same jokes. Like there's a joke about limp biscuit in the movie, which none of the kids laughed at, but me and the dad next to me had a good chuckle at 
There's also a surprising number of actually kind of neat, clever video game references. There's a manual to a computer that looks like a Sega Genesis manual. That was cute. The coffee shop that Dr. Robotnik operates out of is called The Mean Bean, which is reference to Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which I played that game so much as a kid. Uh, so it's a fun time with the movies. There are a handful of, believe it or not, spoilers, which are kind of awesome. I will say that most of my theater was children, and they loved this movie. It actually definitely improved my experience. When Knuckles shows up, they cheered. When yeah. Sonic does something near the end of the movie, they freaked out and yeah. they just loved <laughs> anytime a Sonic character showed up on screen for the first time, the kids in my theater threw their popcorn in the air and screamed. Also, there's lots of children just getting up and leaving and parents taking crying babies out of the theater, which is cute. But in this case, yeah, in this case, it didn't bother me. That happened during Morbius, which just made a bad experience even worse. This made a children's movie experience feel like a children's movie, which is fine. It is kind of lame that I was getting excited about the same things the kids were getting excited about but that is that's what it's like to be a guy with a podcast so i enjoyed it melvin <laughs> you, just, you get the man child card in the mail <laughs> yeah i just suddenly just more pop figures start materializing on my desk you know and i start having yeah. weird opinions about star wars hey there it's your friendly neighborhood call to action just checking in on you hope you're doing all right I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want me to... expand cinematic doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, cinematic doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention you get to tell us what to do? That's right. Each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run. So, I'll see you guys later. Uh, Melvin, what did you think about Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Significantly more enjoyable than the first. The first one is pretty boring, but I, I remember saying that the reason I thought it was enjoyable is because Sonic kind of has this inherent problem where it's either extremely bad stuff or extremely good stuff uh, between each game. It's like always different. And Sonic the Hedgehog was just so middlingly sh- boring, but then also fun at the same time. And a couple of jokes got me with the first one, but not nearly as many as this one. This one's significantly funnier, more enjoyable, has more adventure. Uh, it's just a, it's, it's just a better movie. Just, I, I don't, I could just like, we could just stop now because, <laughs> because anything we'll talk about will always be in contrast to like, but it's, and it's better than the first, uh, the, I think this, 
film also embraces a bit more of what makes these movies absurd, which is that Sonic never fits into the human world. I mean, even the <laughs> fact that like James Marsden's like son, <laughs> like the Sonic is my child. You're not my dad. Like this is stupid. And like, then they just run with that with some of the comedy. Like a, they show up at like a bar, uh, some bar in like the middle of Siberia. Is it a like, bar? Like it's what I is don't this know place? What it is. Like a cabin or something. And like they're like freaked out by everything. And then one guy cuts off a fish head and the fish head falls in front of them. And then it just says, run. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> all these like straight up goofy comedy <laughs> moment. Yeah. Like something I would see in like a Lonely Island video. It's just really funny. Um, some of the comedy that's that's in this film because it just embraces the fact that it's so dumb. Like Tails talks about how he's been watching Sonic forever. And Sonic's like, oh, my gosh, even in the shower. And Tails like, trick question. Sonic doesn't shower. He takes bubble baths. And then Sonic's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And it's totally OK with it. All these sort of things that are memorable enough for me to quote and then also just very funny in the theater that added well to the pacing because this movie is two hours and two minutes, which is pretty freaking long. Um, um, if you have, cut 20 minutes out of this movie, I might If you cut the wedding least, stuff, yes. which also was pretty funny, like it was funny, but it was uh, it was like out of context. It itself was out of the context of the film, but I think they needed to do it, it to introduce Gun because they want to use Gun in the next film i yeah i don't think you need to do that to introduce gun because you could just literally have them show up for the end battle thing but yeah it felt like something cut from like a direct-to-video movie about a dog that snowboards that just got like sliced, yeah, sliced and, into the movie and like it was it was funny to me but it was like i was constantly laughing in spite of the fact that like but where's sonic why <laughs> why is sonic not here he's just it ex- him and his the entire plot of the movie comes to a grinding halt it's like an hour bad. and a half into the movie. Yeah. And the just, kids in my theater did not uh, enjoy it. The parents did because this is where like someone was like, you got to throw something for the parents. And so angry black woman getting upset about her wedding day getting ruined. And what is admittedly a very bizarre twist, which is. Yes, I thought it was so strange that it was funny. But again, yeah, it's still it, it's still like a stab in the heart of the yeah. film for a bit or you're like, come on, just get back to Knuckles, <laughs> get back to Sonic, get back to Tails. <laughs> Said the men uh. in their like late 20s. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say I was not the only, yeah, right during the, tr- so this is the second movie in a row where my theater lost it for the Into the Spider-Verse trailer. People were singing Sunflower, they were freaking out. Kids were like, oh, Spider-Man. Um, but during the trailers, there's just one kid in my theater just going, Sonic, Sonic, Sonic. I was like, this <laughs> nice. guy's gonna, so he's going to cool. be so happy about what movie starts playing after these trailers get over. Um, but yeah, so they cool. all they all just dead silent for all this stuff where it turn it turns out that this woman I, I realized halfway through the movie I didn't remember any of the human characters in the first movie, but James Marsden's girlfriend's sister, who he in the movie ties to a chair. Uh, which is actually mentioned in this movie. She in the first is one, yeah. randomly engaged to Shamar Moore, the absolutely ripped, chiseled dude from the Criminal Minds franchise and other things, I'm assuming, which I was shocked he was in this movie because I didn't like follow the news or anything. And then halfway through the movie, it's just revealed that he's secretly undercover agent who this entire wedding was a ploy to catch Sonic, which does not make sense as a, as a plot device because the only reason Sonic how even would appears... how they know Sonic yeah. got there, yeah. It's like so said, dumb. They do the smart thing where they just remove the human characters. Sonic is alone for 48 hours. And of course, during this window, Robotnik 
knuckles tails they all just show up it turns out that the owl that was taking care of in the first movie was part of an ancient order of creatures that were vying for the chaos emeralds and yeah to be clear i'm a sonic hedgehog fan i was a sega kid over nintendo because genesis does what nintendo don't as we all know um but i the last sonic game i played to, played was sonic adventure 2 and the sega dreamcast even before that i didn't play like knuckles chaos or anything so i don't know if any of this is accurate to the games cartoons movies or anything but uh, but yeah there's an ancient order of owls that guards the chaos emeralds they fought the echidnas and they all died which is an interesting thing to put in a kid's movie but uh, knuckles is the last echidna and so they have to go on a quest to get the emeralds and of course occasionally other side characters pop in to say hello and this whole this this is happening and the movie will periodically cut back to this wedding taking place at Malibu, where I think they had a deal with the four seasons because they cannot stop saying the words four seasons over and over again. There's also clear product placement for things like Oreos and things like that. But it's just like every the movie just keeps stopping to visit this wedding that I don't care about at all. And then because of things out of the hands of anyone involved sonic needs to use the ring to one of the rings to go to where the wedding is which again oh that's right uh so cringe it was great where he has to <laughs> that scene in isolation is great because he's there uh, like don't ruin the wedding james marston yeah. he accidentally switches one of the wedding rings for like one of sonic's rings so he has to interrupt the wedding to get the ring off her finger uh, admittedly a nice little comedy moment yeah, uh, but then he takes a ring and he summons Sonic and then everyone at the wedding is an agent, even like theoretically the people that her sister invited to where are her guests. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> everyone. And they all have tasers because it's a kid's movie. So I guess they can't use guns. And so it's just a bizarre. Meanwhile, twist. the first bi- boss fight in Sonic Adventure 2 is like a mecha with guns and rockets. <laughs> yeah. And like they shoot rockets Sonic the whole time. But I guess it's OK because he's a completely non realistic looking character so it's okay uh despite their efforts in the first movie apparently but it is there yeah there's this the plot just comes to a screeching call at this point and then it doesn't really come up again for the rest of the movie i don't know i it's not a movie that needs padding or anything there's nothing wrong with an hour and 40 minute movie but yeah it is it is strange and it's my one criticism of the movie it's like the only thing i don't like about it is all this stuff yes but uh, outside of that, everything is great. Like Dr. Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey, is just, he's a delight on screen. He is having a ball. He's just, I, if you told me he'd ad libbed every single thing he says in the movie, I'd believe it. Cause there's some jokes in there that I could not imagine someone purposely writing into a kid's movie. I thought or, that too. There were some that I was like, that seems a little hard. Or like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a tough. lot of, there's a lot of like someone says something other than a swear word type of jokes where like mm-hmm. he says a shiitake mushrooms at one point like that sort of thing but yeah overall like it's just a little delight of a kid's film like i i hate to say it too but like i think for a large adult audience i think there's also something there if you are an ongoing sonic the hedgehog fan yes which this maintains a strong adult fan base into this day and age like this is the movie you've been waiting for like if you cut out the wedding stuff and just spliced in the stuff from the first movie that shows him coming to earth and stuff you'd have a perfect live action sonic movie in essence it captures all of that stuff without it being distracting like i don't know how how to to put it but it's like the the game stuff that they put into the movie doesn't come out as haha do you get it it's a gamey thing (laughs) like it's 
it's got fun quote unquote levels where like, Oh, we're going to Siberia. And I'm like, ah, cool. Snowboarding level. Okay, cool. But then like, they don't, it's, it's just, it's just part of the story. Like it's a lot stronger. Whereas the first one almost has nothing to do with the games. It's just Sonic in a car. <laughs> that's that's it sonic making <laughs> pop culture references that he would have no idea what those things are so he just showed up yeah it's it's kind of strange but uh this is the first time though where like i felt like certain scenes were just poorly animated did you notice that uh at the bar room tails is talking and his mouth stutters he talks fine but his mouth starts moving like i just started lagging yeah there's a couple things like that there's a there's a scene where someone like his sonic surrogate family's hugging him and it looks like looks bad it looks really bad yeah there's another scene where they're in siberia and robotnik's on his little like it's not the egg carrier because that's huge oh my but gosh what yes. is the little he's just, a, he's just a floating head basically and like the there's two shots that are the exact same thing but the first one shows up and there's still the outline of his of his head separated from the cg background because they didn't zoom in to clean it up. But then the next time they show the same shot, it's cleaned up. Um, which, if you don't know, it's not one person who does editing when it does these things. It's a whole team. And each team member has like different scenes that they're animating or cleaning. So it's like one of the per- two people that did this one frame, one, one set of frames, just didn't finish. And so it looked really weird. Uh, there's other times where the characters, the CG characters are not supposed to be out of frame. Like, I'm sorry, they're not out of focus. And yet they were blurry, which can sometimes be a rendering thing where like it wasn't done. Uh, the first the the animation team that did the first Sonic the Hedgehog also did Cats and then closed down. So this is, I'm assuming, a totally different team unless they changed their name um, and like got new funding or something. Yeah, or they just so quote unquote closed the team then hired most of the people back under. Right. But company. it's like it's it does look different also just some of the details are different like Catherine was like oh my gosh his eyes look so fleshy <laughs> sonic <laughs> eyes have like different tints and colors we saw it in a dolby screen so really high quality image and it was just a little surreal but uh yeah this is the first time though where like i was noticeably seeing animation errors like i i know um corridor digital does a series online where it's like uh animators react to good and bad cg and this will definitely land in there because there are just shots that are wrong like the, one of their episodes they go over x-men apocalypse where there's like a character flying through the screen and rocks are everywhere but if you go frame by frame there's just one frame where the rocks are gone all of them <laughs> so like in the movie you can see it if you don't blank because it's so distracting but it's like that's the kind of stuff that can just get by and then the movie goes gold and it gets sent to theaters. Uh, maybe they'll do the cat's treatment and send out an update where they clean some stuff up. Uh, the, the eternal partnership of Sonic and cats continues, but uh, yeah. Otherwise though, like I also, I simultaneously thought the animation was really good in this movie. Uh, yes. Uh, at times. Yeah. There's it's, some scenes where I'm like, wow, this looks incredible. It's, and it's then, like both yeah. at the same time where like some scenes look terrible but because someone didn't finish working and then other scenes look great because they look really, really good. Like all the characters have good motion and fluid fluidity to them. They all move differently. Um, and part of that also is that Fowler cleverly films everybody differently. So like Knuckles is heavy and hard and intimidating all of the time, both in how they, they make him move in his animation, but also how he films him. 
I don't know how you film a CG character, but you know what I mean? And then Sonic's kind of the same where he's lightweight and uh, both in personality and cinematography is much more all over the place, uh, ADHD kind of thing. And then Tails just being not really having the much of a character out of any of them, but enough to be flavor <laughs> Tails that is cute. And that Tails is all is Tails yes. needs to be. As and Tails always gadgets. has been. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's all. But it all works for me. Like, it was a really enjoyable theater experience. I, too, was in a full theater where I'm pretty sure 75% was just children. And then there was a couple of groups of adults. Um, so it was just me and my wife surrounded in a theater that was not the worst smelling theater I was in this week. Um, so there, that's a plus. But uh, Mine smelled, smelled, literally smelled kind of like diapers. Like, yeah, I have been to screenings where that's the case, but this was not one of them. Uh, the Dolby screen is huge, so that was helpful. Um, interestingly enough, though, the worst smelling theater experience I had was when I went to see everywhere, uh, everything everywhere all at once. That was the worst smelling experience. But then I was crying so much I couldn't breathe anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this I, I really enjoyed Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Um, we don't really it's not like the plot has details more what's to, to, to be more what's interesting to be discussed is the post credit scene and what's going to happen next because even the first film sets stuff up for this film with the owl stuff i remember we talked about like what was up with the echidnas fighting the owls and then killing sonic's mom what the heck <laughs> what is that <laughs> and so like they from the beginning were preparing for more movies but in this one the only thing that overtly prepares for the next movie is the stinger at the end. But I, when talking with Catherine, I was like, well, by introducing particular things the, and details, they are introducing content for the next movie. Uh, did we want to get into those now? I mean, I, there's not yeah, really well, specific plot stuff to go over. It's just a good movie. It's, it's funny. A, and it's, it's a good a adventure good, film. It's also a kid's movie. So like the themes and message and morals are very simple, simple and cute yeah. family and opening up and forgiving and trusting people and being a hero what it means to be caring a hero. for others i like that sonic in the movie kind of is bad at everything <laughs> i think that's a nice again nice way to balance out how inherently annoying he is in these movies as voiced by jason schwartzman who, ben Schwartz, Ben, totally, ben, totally, totally wrong. different Schwartzman. You even called um, Tails Miles P. Rauer. It's Miles Tails per hour. Tails what per kind hour. of Sonic fan are you? Oh my you? gosh, I, I'm a fake nerd. You caught me. Um, <laughs> but he even does the John Ralphio, the worst thing in the middle of the movie at one yes. point. Yeah, but yeah, there's not a lot of depth to dig into here. It's <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but I definitely. I definitely think there's a little more like I like here than you'd expect. Like there's a little bit more extra care and polish than you think. Like, like yes, you mentioned there's absolutely. parts that are just levels. Like when they have to go get the Emerald, it just looks like various jungle and like temple levels from the Sonic games, which I thought was really neat. And like everyone's attack movements mirror the stuff from the games. Sonic goes in the ball knuckles, climbs up a mountain with his, like with his uh, spike knuckles, like he does in the games tails, like the sound effect when he's propelling around is pretty active. The games, all that stuff is going to, is neat. And that's in any, and it's nice dressing on top of an already solid movie. Salad. I did want a little more of it though. Like I wanted a bit more of uh like we didn't get a single scene that was like a side scroller <laughs> aesthetic, no. which could have been so cool at the end when 
Dr. Robotnik is going full like evil Super Saiyan. I was hoping he'd warp Green Hills, quote unquote, and it would look like a Sonic level. That was what that I was That would have wanting. been cool. Um, there... Also, I can't believe it took me this long to get into this, but the Sonic games are known for having amazing soundtracks, no matter what game it yes. is. Yes. No matter he, what game it is. When he was going to go turn on his own music, I was like, oh, man, I want that, some of that Crush 40, <laughs> like, bad yeah, rock music. Yeah, what's going on? Like, so, um, part of... um. Yeah, we can't we can't talk about this without talking about the games. But like Sonic o- Sonic Adventure 2 it is a pretty bug-ridden mess. It's still a very fun game, but like one of the strongest experiences to be had in that game is how each character has its own soundtrack and its own aesthetic to its soundtrack. Like Shadow is basically just like noise new metal. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> weird. And Sonic's is like pop punk alternative. Um Rouge the Bat, the Rouge, Rouge the Bat, uh, basically just has jazz, like freeform jazz. It's really great. Um, super, super fun stuff, big band jazz. And like every, yeah, and so it has a lot of personality to each of that. And like these movies just have like temp music. And then every time there was a song, except for Uptown Funk, it was like a 20 second clip of the song, which yeah, is so annoying. They played so Walk annoying. by Pantera and cut it before any lyrics. And I was so mad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know why they didn't just let that breathe or they could just turn it down and then like have actual dialogue go on. Cause like that could be really fun to basically just take like, like the video games have to have original music, but a movie can get licensed music. <laughs> yeah. Or, so that'd be cool. Or just get Crush 40 to come in and do some tracks. Yeah. Let Crush 40 do an original, but also get like a big rock band to cover some famous sonic songs like like i don't know if you ever played sonic r the infamously bad sonic oh, racing game i i played that was one of the games i played the most oh, as a kid gosh. man i played a lot of that i didn't i didn't know better <laughs> now i know it's bad <laughs> but <can laughs> just play you, sonic and then just get chaos sonic and you win <laughs> can you imagine if they got like olivia rodrigo or billy eilish to do can you feel the sunshine or something oh, it'd be so cool because they're oh. still great songs <laughs> they're so good one yeah, of my see, favorites is um, Endless Possibilities saying. from um, Sonic Unleashed. I think Endless Possibilities is probably the best one, and that's not even Crush 40. It's super, super good. Um, but then, like, yeah, these movies are just temp music, and they don't do originals at all. Like, it's such a shame. What a missed opportunity, it is especially opportunity. projecting into the next one, like, to just not have that. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. such a shame. Yeah, there were a couple songs that could have been playing over the end stinger slash credits. That would have been neat. Uh, but like as they Sonic, add more elements, I think freaking be... Sonic is supposed to be cool. Like this is I'm well, bubbling up. Cool, Sonic is supposed to be cool, cool, quote unquote, from various time periods. Right. But... but like in the games, Sonic is cool. So then you play cool music so that no matter what's going on, no matter how chaotic it gets, <laughs> people know you're that doing he's cool. it in a cool way. Yeah. So like, oh, my gosh, there's a big rig destroying the city as I'm trying to escape let's listen to city escape and then it's cool so it doesn't matter that tons of properties are exploding where everyone's losing their car because it's basically the tesla jump times a thousand it's just cool so i don't i'm not sonic's innocent like yeah. why did the intro why did why when he does the thing in the beginning where he's basically batman why didn't they like play a cool song that would be such good contrast to the fact that he's doing everything the wrong way they just don't I, I, I don't I, know I why say, that's the case, but whatever. I will say that that original song they got Kid Cudi to make is pretty solid. And if you <laughs> is go there on one, I don't it, know. Yeah, it. it plays twice in the movie, but 
if you go on Spotify, <laughs> the album art is incredible. It's like King Cuddy and Dr. Eggman's flying machine. Doing it now. It's, Doing it's it right great. now. Oh my gosh, this album cover is amazing. Isn't it the best album cover <laughs> in the world? Look how happy he is. <laughs> oh, this is great. 2 million plays, 2.5 million plays. So I just realized there actually was one other instance where Sonic music was in the movie. What was it? Uh, Jason Marsden's ringtone on his phone. Oh, yeah. But that's like that's like every movie does that in some way. Well, like like has some sort of Easter egg using a ringtone if they have any a ringtone. That's lame. Just put it into the movie. Should we uh should we get into the ending though? Should we talk about the stinger? Should we talk about what we think is gonna happen next? Yeah, so um Dr. Robotnik does get his hands on the Master Emeralds, he becomes Dr. Manhattan, basically, and he builds himself a giant robot. He doesn't create Green Hill Zone, but he creates a giant robot that does look like a Sonic villain. Like, I think that's the robot that was in Sonic Adventure, right? Am I crazy? That's definitely been in a game, um, that specific robot. Yeah, I don't think it's in Sonic Adventure. I think it's in, like, I think there is, well, in 3, it's an orb. It's like a giant orb, but I don't know. Maybe that it, gets arms. I do like the running motif where he has his own logo, and the logo is the Dr. Robotnik from the games. Mm. Yes, me too. I Which like that. Nice. The the teeth, gritted teeth with the mustache. It's yeah. awesome. It's a cool visual. And he, Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles have to team up to fight Robotnik. And it's nice. It's a nice sequence, nice action sequence. And the Master Emeralds get shattered in the process. And as Sonic and his surrogate parents are about to get crushed by a giant robot, he turns into Super Sonic. And What's my he called? Theater, like Chaos Sonic? Is that what it's called? I don't even know. Uh, he's called Super Sonic. But okay. my theater, as it was happening, kids in my theater started screaming, Supersonic, Whoa! Supersonic. So cool. And then so when cool. he actually like Supersonic's out, which some of you who may, even if you've never played a Sonic game, this is his final smash in the Smash Brothers series. And it was really cool. Like I, it's a nice, I'm a big fan of this moment in action in movies and superhero movies where the character goes Super Saiyan. This happens in Amphibia. As I mentioned previously, it's just a moment that I always think is cool where the hero really becomes this idealized hero version of themselves. And it's neat. And all the kids in my theater were losing it. They were screaming and shouting. And parents who have no idea what's happening were like, yeah, yeah, look at him, <laughs> and, uh, which was neat. And he destroys Robotnik. Robotnik has a vague did he die or didn't he die moment. And they all play baseball together, the characters. And Knuckles has kind of a drax a destroyer type character where he's kind of a big oaf who doesn't understand pop culture or like friends what is friends that kind of character uh but idrisella plays him really well and so it's actually kind of funny and enduring and um endearing i should say that stuff's neat they're all little family sonic has a group of friends who actually are like him they're getting the gang together which is nice i would like to see amy in a future thing or big the yeah, cat. That'd be fun. I love big the cat. Uh, big the cat. <laughs> yes, please. And that's all neat. But then the credits start rolling, and they and when the credits start rolling, kid in my theater went video game Sonic. <laughs> it's like the pixel art. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then there's a post credit scene, and uh, Melvin, do you want to talk about what the mid credits scene is? Uh, yeah. So basically, their their uh, gun is over at the uh, ground zero of the giant egg robot, and 
they are digging things up and they're trying to find Robotnik, but they can't. And we see Robotnik's partner who we haven't talked about, but is also one of the funny parts of the show. His introduction, he's making a cafe latte face of Eggman crying because he misses him, which is cute. Um, But he is there at the wreckage, also probably searching for Eggman, which may or may not amount to anything because my wife said that Jim Carrey said he's going to retire so he can focus on NFTs. So take that as you will. He's retired before. Yeah. And hopefully it's, hopefully he never touches an NFT because NFTs are modern Amway for millennials. But anyways, uh, he is there. So, okay. Where's Robotnik? That's the whole thing. But then they gun manager, a secretary, or somebody comes to say, as we were wiping Robotnik's data from the database, uh, we found an old data file. And my my mind goes, hmm, as did everybody's theor- theories running through the, through the movie theater. And then we get the shot of basically what is always seen whenever Shadow the Hedgehog is introduced is a weird compound with a particular pod that opens up and there he is. Everyone in the theater freaks out, including me, because Shadow, also, <laughs> if Sonic is cool, Shadow is cooler, and everything about Shadow is cool, uh, even if he is just the edgelord hot topic version of Sonic, doesn't matter, the design is awesome, his shoes are cool, <laughs> he is fast, he glides, everything about him is cool. And he uses guns, because this ain't your dad, words. Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is, I... I Man, and that game was good. Shadow the Hedgehog was a good game. I really like that one. Um, but yeah, Shadow is a cool character. So this is pretty exciting. Um, I th- I think oftentimes what gets muddled is when we talk about Sonic stuff in general. And I mean, we as in the general we of everybody. We kind of forget that like the stories in certain Sonic games are pretty complicated and really, I think, well-written. Bizarrely like so, though. Like there's no reason for Sonic games to be this complicated. <laughs> Correct. It's it's very strange. Um, Sonic 06 being the bad form of complications, but Sonic Adventure 2 is like a pretty good form of complication where like the, the opening of that game is Sonic breaking out of a police helicopter because they think he's committing crimes. But then at the end of the first level, you find out there's another hedgehog and it's Shadow. So Shadow's the one committing crimes. And there's a whole plot line, of course, of like Eggman was trying to uh, take over the world as he does, and he stumbles upon Shadow as a secret, um, like, uh, I don't know, project that they were working on on the moon, because that's another thing, building the <laughs> ultimate life form. Uh, it's crazy. It's awesome. And then Shadow, of course, has his own backstory with Maria and all that <laughs> stuff. It's just great. Oh, I love it so much. And I really hope we get those Shadow Obama memes back where people just edited Obama as Shadow the Hedgehog. And <laughs> it's just like it's like him falling to Earth with the Chaos Emeralds. Um, Sh- is Shadow the- <laughs> is, in fact, first off, I will say before I get to talk about Shadow the Hedgehog, um, which I've oh man, what a dream to always talk to Shock Shadow the Hedgehog on a podcast. But uh, <laughs> the so instant cool. it became obvious that it was going to be Shadow, my theater was freaking out. And I, and yeah. again, my theater is mostly children and parents who have no idea what's happening. But this is, I, this is not hyperbolic. This is potentially the third rowdiest a theater I've ever been in has gotten. The others are the portal scene in Endgame and the Evil Dead remake with the chainsaw. But this is <laughs> at the Im- end. <laughs> yes, this is immediate number three. The kids in my theater. Is no way home in a whole new category because that was the whole movie was just no way home a is theme park I, ride. 
uh, believe it or not, this is No Way Home is below. My theater came unglued. I cannot even describe the energy. Like, peep, again, these are children. And they, the instant it was obvious that it was Shadow, kids started screaming, Shadow, Shadow. Kids were like jumping up and down on so their parents, cool. tapping their parents, like, don't you know who that is? And they're screaming, when I was Shadow. About, I think I tapped Catherine because I was pretty hype. <laughs> I was in, in all aspects of my life, I was a child watching that movie. And yeah, it was. I, but I agree. My theater totally popped for it. It was huge. Oh, absolutely they huge. came unglued. And like afterwards, kids were buzzing about it. And there was this one mom, her two kids, she was with, was just like, oh, man, that's Shadow the Hedgehog. And I tried to explain to you who that is. And I was like, yeah, that was a nice surprise, huh? And she's like trying to get them Aww. out of the theater. She, <laughs> she has no idea what's happening. And <laughs> cute. Uh, it was great. It was like a bunch of children and me going, oh, neat, Shadow. <laughs> that's cool. But Shadow is a funny character to me because when the Shadow the Hedgehog game came out, it was universally derided as like a terrible game. I don't know if you remember this, but it, I just vaguely remember people not liking it. But now, like as all Sonic games have, people are like, hmm, actually, every Sonic game gets but this like, retroactive, like, oh, except those six. Bad. It's still just a disaster. Well, but yeah. like, except for Me Files, everyone likes Me Files as a villain. But like, um, but I remember playing Shadow the Hedgehog too. Not that glitchy. Basically, no glitches. Had good runner levels. Uh, good change in combat. The way I mean, using guns. But like the <laughs> weapon system was pretty interesting. I I really did not understand why people didn't like it other than tone. The tone it's, is weird. It is because it's a Sonic hilarious. game made T with guns. <laughs> One of the plot lines you can do is kill Sonic. It's like it's really crazy. Uh, and that particular going that for, for those who haven't played it, you play one level and you make decisions and then you get access to two other levels uh, and you go the path you chose. But on that level, you have access to four levels that you can do depending on your decisions. And if you do the entire evil route, you end up fighting the gun commander and Sonic. It is extremely difficult. I could never get that ending. Um, but if you complete all the endings, there's the canon ending, which is the one frustrating thing for Sonic games because they've always made it stupid hard to to do that. Trying to get all the Chaos Emeralds in any of the classic games is just maddening. Just maddening. Uh, but yeah, the game's tone throws people off because you die as Shadow and he curses. <laughs> and your parents are like, what? <laughs> I can't believe they're cursing well, in a Sonic game. Yeah, it, it's, Shadow is super funny to me because it, it, I I feel like there's an error of irony when we're like, oh yeah, Sonic's really a cool character, but like Shadow is like the ultimate version of that, where it's just yes. like he is so try hard as a character to be cool and edgy that he comes back around to being endearing, where I people. There was this huge amount of ironic. I, I think I said this exact same thing before, where it's like he is that caricature we all have of the edgy character, like Sasuke. Yes, but then it yeah. works. It totally works. Where Sasuke is cool, very strong Sasuke energy, and but. Shadow's cool. But if any other fictional character tries to do it, it doesn't work. Well, he has the advantage of a lot of as as I'm showing in my theater and your theater experience. There's a lot of there's a strong tr- child fan base for these characters which i'm i'm supposedly surprised by like i guess like i'm just so out of touch with this this thing where it's like oh the sonic boom cartoon was apparently pretty well liked by children i've heard it was a good good show even from like adults who liked the old sonic shows they thought it was pretty good so like 
thankfully sonic has maintained a certain level of pop culture relevancy where and also i do think the internet has helped the sonic fandom to oh, survive for sure. <laughs> to a large extent both good and bad ways but shadow <laughs> is like both as a kid if you're like six years old shadow is really cool and as an adult like you're going out it's lame but deep down you're like ah, i still but it's so cool yeah <laughs> But because he's so memed and so like ubiquitous as like a, a symbol of tryhard edginess that fails, but it's also a family friendly version of that. It just kept the character around the public consciousness. And so some pe- people after a while, you just you develop a certain level of like, OK, I guess I kind of like this character, both because I think it's very funny, but also because I do this. There's a part of your brain that's just like, I wonder if in the third movie they're going to let him shoot guns at Sonic. <laughs> like yeah. You just want to know. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Shadow has maintained this very strange level of con- where he was a highly recommended character for Smash Brothers, even though he's already a assist trophy in the game. Like people are like, oh, I want to play a shadow, make him an alternate costume for Sonic. I just want to play a shadow. Yeah, so, I don't know. But yeah, like I will say that they're, they're two for two as far as like um, cliffhangers to keep me coming, because I was like, OK, I I am interested because Tails showed up. Now I'm also interested because Sonic has such a he's just talking about we has such a strange strange amount of lore to pull from more so than almost any really long cool. grand franchise like Sonic Adventure doesn't have a lot of nearly as much story as Sonic Adventure two Sonic Adventure is quite simple it's got but that like cool water villain like yeah, chaos and yeah. like they're essentially like so talking about the first film having set up for this movie because the echidnas attack the uh, Sonic's mom this one. Um, doesn't have any overt lead-ins to the next movie that are part of the movie. Like a stinger is not part of a movie. That's why it's a stinger. So it's a setup for the next film, but it's not relevant. But like in this movie, because they introduce the Chaos Emeralds, because they have the Master Emerald, because they have um, like an ancient war or whatever, and they're having Shadow, there's a lot of stuff that they can do where they could essentially combine both plot lines of Sonic 1 and 2, Adventure 1 and Adventure 2, to the next one. Because like, Chaos's character was like the the natural protector of the Master Emerald, but then war broke out and a bunch of oh my gosh! If they introduced Chows, it would be the first time Chows are in anything <laughs> since Adventure Two, um, which are so pivotal to the 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 replayability of Sonic games. I don't understand why. Um, the reason everyone likes Sonic Adventure Two is because you would always replay the missions you liked, so you could get pets to give your Chows. And you would keep doing that over and over. So you forget the bad levels, which there are several in Sonic Adventure 2. Um, but anyways, um, a bunch of Chows die. So the protector of the Master Emerald, Chaos, went mad and then got sealed away. And then it became the Echidnas would protect the Master Emeralds, ultimately becoming Knuckles, who is always naive. So I called this plot line a mile away for this movie. I said to Kat a while ago, I was like, oh, totally. Knuckles isn't a bad guy. He's just been tricked by Eggman. Watch. And then they did it because that's that's his plot all the time. Every episode of Sonic X, that's what happens. Um. So you'd have that with chaos, which would be great because chaos changes with every master emerald he with which every chaos emerald he eats. So you could have some really cool like kid style horror because like kids like scary things. And that's why I like chaos as a kid because he was scary. His forms were scary. His sixth one being the scariest. Um, but then you'd have Sonic Adventure 2, which would be. I mean, that would be crazy because you would have all the shadow tragic stuff, which is just it's it's just like talking about Sonic 2, where like because the premise of these movies is kind of silly, 
you kind of have to make fun of it. And Sonic Adventures 2's premise is so serious that like, if you don't have a little bit of making fun of it, then it's kind of a bummer. But I also hope they don't because Sonic Adventures 2's story is so cool. But like, you could have Sonic, or there's a moon base and Eggman's going to go on it because he wants to destroy the world or whatever, or hold a, the world ransom. And Shadow is helping him out because he's got this bitterness against humanity because he essentially has the same plot line as Chaos, which is humans are bad. I will do whatever I can to destroy them. But then he was starting to remember his backstory because he's like a clone or something. And it's like, oh, I cared about one human, Maria. And so I'm going to do whatever I can to actually save everybody. Like there's a lot of cool things in the story of these Sonic things that are like totally up for grabs for the next film but yeah one of the biggest issues is that one all of it is really absurd and unless you have someone take it seriously it doesn't work and i see milo skulking so i'm curious if he's gonna meow there it is but two you uh if you're gonna do it on the big screen you almost have to kind of have fun with it so like you would lose out on part of what i think makes some of those sonic adventure games worthwhile which is that they're kind of so serious uh, but I don't know. Like, what, what do you think is going to be going on for the next one? Do you think they're just going to go hardcore edge and he's just going to have guns and grenades and <laughs> curse at Sonic? You're annoying. <laughs> boom, 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 or something like that. <laughs> His uh, voice I will th- crack just like that. I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's very dependent upon whether or not Jim Carrey wants to come back first off. But, uh, but Shadow, I think is a strong enough villain where he could theoretically carry a movie on his own as an antagonist. So, because I think there's, I think there's genuine story potential, but it depends on what tone they want to take. Because this movie does kind of have this tongue-in-cheek tone occasionally, where they like they like lampshade the fact that "gun" is a dumb acronym for government agency. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't mind them kind of taking jabs at Sonic lore because Sonic lore is so confusing and silly. Where and it like changes in every game too. Yeah, like, like, it's not always the same. Because sometimes he's a werewolf, sometimes he's a black knight, sometimes he's a human girlfriend, sometimes he has not a human girlfriend, and there's multiple cartoons and comic books you could draw from. So, like, the I don't want to meet the person who gets super serious about Sonic story and backstory and would get upset about them changing things. That sounds like a very strange person to me, but um, but there's so much you could draw from. So, it's like right. tough to decide what they will or won't bring into the fold, but. I think a story, if you want to go semi-serious, like serious enough to carry a movie, but never too serious, like Sonic seeing something in Shadow as an evil version of himself and him going out of the day to try and like bring Shadow into the light. But maybe he can't for a while and Sonic just has to come to peace with that. And I think that would be a good lesson for children where like, hey, listen, like some people aren't going to like you. Some people like the How to Train Your Dragon 2 plotline. Kind of. Yeah. So, yeah, that could be cool. Um, but like also Shadow's cool. So you can give him moments where he's got like his dark monologues or whatever. And you could update them. Or you could have it where like a woman scientist that was like working on the project. He has fond memories of. And it turns out like he thinks it's his mother. It turns out it's just a random scientist or something like that. It would be tragic and sad, I think. But like also like I can imagine the moments where like Shadow just wrecks all three of them. And he, that establishes the audience as a real threat. And then maybe you could bring in another new character that helps them beat shadow in some way. Um, I, I will say I am gen- generally pretty annoyed that metal Sonic never gets any love that. I was surprised at that metal Sonic didn't get any 
cameo in this. I I was surprised Metal Sonic wasn't even in the first one, as but that would have been lame because it probably would have just been Eggman at the end of the movie. Is like, aha, now I know how to defeat you, and it's Metal Sonic. And then it's just we don't get him the whole movie. I mean, you do get a lot of him in the OVA if you ever seen the two part animated thing from like the 90s which is pretty cool uh has a very uh, cyberpunk vibe but the the only sonic cartoon ever watched, i actually watched sonic x i don't know if anyone remembers the show i watched a bit of sonic x um but uh not a whole lot of it i used to watch it's like two seasons i think two seasons three seasons it gets very serious near the end which is very i weird. watched it through early netflix when you got the disc but they kept sending the wrong disc from the dvd <laughs> collection so i never had the right episodes in order so then i just stopped i was like okay i'm just doing movies now <laughs> so but throwback that was pre-streaming um, but they still do the disc service for those yes who, they do because yeah. they still have warehouses full of discs and they don't know what to do with them Oh man, they should just start giving them away to just just DVDs. They could start doing as um, a bonus, like once a month if you subscribe. <laughs> they still just send you random movies in the mail. Yeah, like Gamefly does. Think up, think up some new uh, ways. I don't know of uh, getting subscribers. That'd be kind of cool. Just send me the disc. I can imagine that they wouldn't bring Metal Sonic in because fans want and expect Shadow. So like them going, I have found a way. And you see a silhouette of a hedgehog on Super Oh Shadow, Shadow. And there's just Metal Sonic. Which <laughs> Oh, that'd be such a guy. Me would be like, oh sick, Metal Sonic. So that's when I played the Sonic games. And everyone else just And gets Metal married. Sonic's cool. Like the premise of it's kind of neat. Um it's it's intimidating. Uh he's very powerful, stuff like that. I think cool. actually if we're if but... we're sitting here theory crafting, I think if Shadow does have a face turn in the third act of the next movie, Metal Sonic could be like the good true the true villain. Right? That's what I thought with Chaos would be that because with the Master Emeralds in play, they were set out in the ocean, stuff like that. Like there is little things that could do chaos in this game because who would um, Shadow would just be antagonist. But who else would be going for the Chaos Emeralds other than Sonic? well chaos and so that would be a good contrast because then you get to see chaos in different forms which is pretty cool and so you get some cool like progression of that because part of what makes sonic adventure fun is you fight chaos seven times depending on which plot lines you do in which order and you get to fight him in different forms and pretty and that's pretty neat you would also have your adventure of them going across the world to get stuff kind of dragon ball style and then at the end, it would be like, this force is too powerful. I can't believe it. Green Hill Zone is totally flooded. Everyone's dead. Shadow, help me fight him. And so you'd be recreating the end of Sonic Adventure 2, but with chaos, because in Sonic Adventure 2, it's just a giant lizard creature. <laughs> so it's like, it'd be kind of cooler if it was, um, which is a good fight. I like that fight, but it it's um, it would be, it could work a lot better. Like, yeah, you have your true villain and it's chaos, which is kind of what they did in this movie where the true villain was Eggman the whole time, but we knew it was Eggman the whole time. Um, but chaos is more interesting than Eggman. Eggman's just charismatic. So yeah, I, it's worth mentioning. There's also there, they are actively developing a knuckles TV show for Paramount plus. With okay. That's cool. Elba. That gets me more interested than the halo show that I hear isn't very good and not even written or directed no by people who talks played halo. about it. That's the no craziest talks about thing. It because like nobody, I don't think anyone is watching it because no one has Paramount plus. Uh, except for Star Trek, and the only people talking about that don't like it. <laughs> well, <laughs> then, yeah. Also, Star uh, Trek apparently like something about the transfer they did is actually like inferior to the when it was just streaming on Netflix for some reason. 
Really? Yeah. Oh, like, man. About the, something about the audio mixing or something. Some guy who does audio editing for a living was telling me this and was upset. But uh, And I like I like classic Star Trek, but I got Paramount Plus once, and the first movie I watched with it, it froze and stopped working. Also, <laughs> when I got it, I got the premium version, and yet ads still played anyway. So I'm like, no way. Not using this service for another, like, what, two years? Forget it. This, they can't figure it out. Um, even Quibi ran better than they did. It was ridiculous. But like, uh, yeah, no one's talking about Halo. But that's everything I've heard about it is people going, oh, it's not very good because then they have like XYZ and they're all pretty f- reasonably good reasons. Uh, but it all seems to be stemmed from the people never played the games. So they don't understand the atmosphere or the aesthetic of the games and they're hmm. just doing what they tried to do with four and five, which was humanize the Master Chief, which doesn't work. Because he has no character. He's just supposed to be cool. Please don't humanize him. Shadow has more humanity than the Master Chief. Uh, Master Chief is just your character. It's supposed to be an epic story like Lord of the Rings. That's it. Um, I know Lord of the Rings have character. Don't come at me. It's just it's just silly. Um, it was, it was, 343 did so poorly with the writing for 4 and 5 that they just retconned 5 without retconning it. And f- apparently 6 is just its own thing and it's just an adventure again because they got their stuff together yeah who cares about paramount plus except for this (laughs) knuckle show that sounds kind of cool i'll watch that (laughs) well i wonder for sonic i stand for sonic so i will do that (laughs) yeah i wonder if it's gonna be like a slice of life comedy with knuckles just figuring out what it's like to be on earth or something my concern is that they'll start bringing in all these characters that i don't care about like the chaos characters or the sonic boom characters like i don't want to i unless i just don't know about this alligator guy i keep seeing in like art and promotional stuff yeah sonic. i'm just like but, i don't know who that is with um sonic um ooh, it's on gamecube it was like the highest selling sonic sonic game. heroes sonic heroes uh yeah team chaotix is just not as interesting as the rest but they tried yeah. to introduce them what they could never do though is they can't introduce the comics ones because the comic writer who wrote the sonic comic for years he ended up leaving the team they rebooted the comic but he was allowed to keep his characters and uh, apparently some of those characters are really really good and fit more the world more than that alligator guy (laughs) or the purple thing that i don't know what it is but he's supposed to be the shadow equivalent of the team uh i don't know Uh, there's only one shadow buddy all right yeah (laughs) yeah there's also those characters, I don't know if you've played that really bad Sonic fighting game, where they like, it's, Ooh, it's like a 3D. Um, I played a lot of bad Sonic games, because I bought all those collections that would come out periodically, like on the, GameCube. Like on PC? GameCube, PC, yeah, I also got those. I think I've played Sonic 1, 2, and 3, but I never beat them because they're hard and I was a baby. Um, I played Sonic R a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I played some Sonic CD. No, actually, I've never played Sonic CD. Sonic was the first game, though, that I did cheat codes, so I could just play the ending. And I thought, wow, this is cool. I am super Sonic. <laughs> uh, I played Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 and Heroes. I think I played some of Unleashed, and I liked that. Didn't get very far in Generations. I played one called Sonic and the Secret Rings on the Wii that some people like. I did not like that that much. So I played a lot of Sonic games. but And I'll probably get that open world one whenever it comes out, because that's kind of cool. Um, I don't know why Sonic hasn't had an open world game yet, but that could be pretty neat. 
but who knows what convoluted plot line they'll have for that. <laughs> like, well, they, oh man, they, be, because they have so weirdly so much to draw from, this franchise could go on for a while. For a very long time. I've thought this, they don't, they could have spinoff movies already. Like I was, this is the first time where it's a potential, because they do the Sega logo in the beginning. And like both times, I think I remember doing this with the first movie, but the second one reminded me because they show a clip of Yakuza. And I go, I lean over to Kat, yo, a Yakuza movie would be wild. Like, that would be so cool. Let's just make um, Shenmue a movie, finally, because I feel like that's the best way to experience Shenmue at this point. I don't know you if know? anybody else has played um, Yakuza, but these games, the combat, just start with Yakuza 0, and it is like nothing you've ever seen. It is amazing. It's also very cool, um, well animated, stuff like that. But like, yeah, this is the only like non Marvel potentials universe that has me interested because unlike all the other stuff where like Morbius, like you said, didn't have like a particular comic to draw from that was co- that was particularly good. So it's just got to be its own thing. Which, you know. Other than a Spider Man comic. <laughs> and like, but for Sonic, it's like, it's got enough pieces to draw from that there's actually some pretty cool things we can do with it that's cool um and i'm trying to think what other like canons what other unit like the so dark universe think, has um, nothing to do with anything <laughs> i think that i, I think mean, that's dead this it's is a mon- totally dead, the monster verse like, there's they're already working on another um con well invisible man was going to be a new monster verse and then the pandemic happened but invisible man works because it's so on its own yeah it stands on its own but, but it also you can tell it has sequel bait because of the ending. But I will say the um, the one thing we have to comment on because it just keeps popping up in the news is various people involved in things like Detective Pikachu and Super Mario Bros. movie coming out. Oh, yeah. This, they want to do a Smash Brothers yes, universe, keep, right? And basically someone will ask like the director of Sonic or whatever. What do you think about Smash Brothers movie? And they'll just say. That sounds oh, cool. That sounds cool. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, is it happening? And it's just like, um, I guess. Because here's the, here's where I, here's the Pandora's box. Because and Dr. Robotnik mentions the multiverse in this movie, where I would not be against a Sonic movie that kind of takes cues from Sonic Generations, which I enjoyed that game, where it's like you see a classic Sonic, you can have one voiced by Jaleel White right yeah who, that'd be great you know and then get cool. one voice for roger craig smith who just is the video game one you know and you could do that that would be kind of fun and goofy and that works for a kid's film but the idea of a smash brothers movie is so strange to me because smash brothers that sounds terrible yeah like the first two games don't have a story the third one has a story and it's incomprehensible it's like, like a story about like the playing with emissary. toys and having to like get over like I think the I think the interpretation of that plot line was that it's like they're all being turned into toys and then the final boss is taboo because when you're an adult it's stupid to play with toys, but actually it's not. But then Get Sonic shows up and beats him. <laughs> that's literally right. how they gave it. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Sonic is the last thing to be introduced because oh my gosh, it's just like a Marvel movie. Oh my word, I just realized that. Because you're playing the whole game going, is Sonic in this game? Because everyone thought he was like a secret character in 2. Um, and the first game, they know. there were official cheat code books that said like, oh, don't like Sonic the Hedgehog in like Smash Bros. 64 is do this, this, and this. 
Oh man. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out they were always closer true. to making Tetra Tetris block <laughs> than a character. The guy uh, from balloon fight was like slated to be in a bunch of smash brothers games for some reason. I don't know. I don't know who's like, man, I really want to play the balloon fight guy. He'll be my main Tetris block would have been way more interesting. I would have been like, I would have loved to see what that move is. Yeah. Do I, I just transform into different blocks? Like that's pretty neat <laughs> to strike. He transforms into long one, just sideways. And, and your super smash is uh, you play Tetris on screen, trying to crush your opponents. So they have to like dodge and get out of the way. That's pretty I, cool. I've never been a huge fan of Tetris block as a character. Cause it, I just, I could never get sold on it even now, but I think it's crazy. There's never a Tetris level you could play on. That is crazy. That right? is absolutely crazy. Uh, but yes, a movie, a Smash Brothers movie sounds like a disaster. I don't want this. I absolutely don't want it. I would rather keep it in world, like, because that's more interesting, um, especially after watching everything everywhere all at once, which I think uses a multiverse idea in a more fascinating way, which is it's not about what cool things could happen in other worlds, but more how does it relate to the character themselves that the potential for a multiverse exists. That's kind of fascinating. Uh, more on that whenever we do that episode, but it's, uh, but like just multiverse. So I can just watch what, like, like kind of what you joked about. And actually every episode we talk about multiverse, what these two different IPs can just go on a date and hang out or something <laughs> like that. I'm not interested in that. Go to read fanfiction.net If you want to do that, like, I don't need to see that on screen that like, that literally makes me sick. I, I can throw up. I am going to throw up well, right now thinking about it. They've established that as a thing you can do in this movie already. Like mul- like the fact that Robotnik gets sent to another world and he can teleport. He mentions the multiverse. Great. So then it's so, all in Tommy Westfall's brain because yeah, this is course. in the multiverse. So it doesn't matter. This is. Well, I hate. This. I think there's. Cert- I hate this, Dan. I, I hate this. There's certain <laughs> things that I would be more okay with like okay if he meets mario wouldn't it be cool if sonic fine. and mario fist bumped Whoa. Oh, the fist bump thing was stupid but like so that dumb. makes sense what makes zero sense is if sonic has to interact with like link like that is a completely different tone that completely doesn't mesh well like at any level especially once you get all the anime sword fighters in there like what is he gonna do like he's gonna hang out with marth or the guy from xenoblade or duck hunt dog like i don't weird and some people already like well detective pikachu Pikachu makes so much sense blah blah blah. it's like no it doesn't (laughs) it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense i'm sure like obviously if this movie comes actually gets made to some extent like they just use the og lineup and it's like star fox or whatever and people actually like it fine i'll eat my words but i just don't think this is where every franchise should go and i think so far it it looks like they're smart enough to realize like hey sonic on its own works very specifically it managed to be a reasonably enjoyable movie for adults but kids love it so it's a perfectly fine kids franchise and it's just okay to leave it at that i would be like just disgusted i would be absolutely disgusted (laughs) if they just crossed over marvel stuff with star wars stuff that sounds terrible but oh but they're owned by the same person wouldn't it be no it would not be that cool just tell like is it i think it's more cool to just have okay you like this world and you want to be in it just tell more stories in that and just keep building properties off that like i think it's cool that like if sonic does well we could just get more sonic stuff i don't want it connected to other stuff because then it becomes other stuff that's annoying to me i just want it to be its own thing so just 
let it be its own thing. Plus, it, it's already silly enough to watch a blue hedgehog with grotesquely human eyes do things in the human world. I don't need him now to do things in other human worlds. Like, But nobody ever makes really bizarre things. Like, what if Sonic the Hedgehog but Zodiac Killer? Like, hmm, that sounds more That's interesting a, That sounds like a Shadow <laughs> the Hedgehog movie. Um, but <laughs> Like, that would be, like, those those ideas are more interesting than, I love this character, and I have a picture of him on my wall, and I love this character, and I have a Funko Pop of him on the shelf. I think it'd be cool if they did a thing together. No, I don't think that's cool. And that's that's all well, I have to I say about this. I think, too, like, Smash Brothers, because there's lots of crossover RPG games, and stuff, Smash Brothers has basically no plot like there's those like mini movies they release to hype up a new character but those have the barest like they just have some weird fake antagonist that gets cut in half by sephiroth or whatever also the the even the first one when sakurai worked on the first one the reason the intro video is action figures coming to life is because that's how he envisioned it to be he was like this is just yeah action figures fighting each other without the whole and now they kiss thing that everyone does with action figures too i mean bon Ho did it with his two oscars so i can do it with my action figures too um and so i i don't think though that it makes sense to have them go on some grand adventure to save the multiverse to stop some bad guy that sounds boring multiverse is just the entertainment version of decentralized it is a word that has no value and does nothing to me does nothing for me just just want to it's just annoying that's because it did the um roger rabbit idea where it's like this is just a job they they made they made what we think is fantastical into the mundane Actually, this is just my nine to five. <laughs> like, I'm not really, this isn't a big deal to me. I just need to pay so I can get my kid through college. That's more yeah. interesting to me. <laughs> it's also like, like people... all these characters get together to unionize their Amazon workshop. Now that <laughs> is the Super Smash Brothers I want to watch. <laughs> the final boss is this Hayao Miyazaki like, withholding <laughs> royalty checks or whatever. Yeah. So what do you have for recommendations, Dan? Oh, geez. Yeah, we do that. Um, I'm going to recommend um, a recent... Do I recommend the CSB study Bible yet? I don't know. I haven't kept track. <laughs> I just put it in the uh, show notes. That's all. I'm going to double check on that real quick before, before I embarrass myself. Uh, oh, no, I didn't. So I'm going to recommend the CSB study Bible, which the CSB is a translation that's been getting a lot of traction lately. Uh, because it's become kind of the new middle ground. It's readable, but accurate translation. Uh, some people have issues with the 2011 NIV translation. And I think the CSB is a nice alternative to that. It also is a, a nice update to the formerly the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Uh, however, the CSB has been lacking kind of in a solid study Bible, except for one. Similar to how the ESV study Bible is a very great standard bearer study bible that everyone has in the library csb study bible i think is their version of that it's a wonderful study bible in both its formatting i love a lot of the types the holman typeset they use it makes the words jump off the page easier the csb study bible has a lot of the typical features you love a study bible great book introductions great study notes the two things it adds is it it features color photographs of things which is nice and it also features 
in text word studies, like in little blocks for important little word studies, uh, which is a nice feature. I think sets it apart from other study Bibles. It's just a nice uh, study Bible. It's really accurate. Study notes are really helpful. The word study bits are great. Uh, there's also really helpful articles from a really wide variety of contributors. I don't have the number on hand, but it's somewhere between 100 and 200 different contributors. So I highly recommend the CSB Study Bible. It's a great addition, especially if you don't already have a CSB translation on hand. It's This is the one to get. I will be recommending a YouTube channel called Company Man. This guy does like 10 to 11 minute videos every Wednesday or Thursday. And he just covers different companies and their history, like why they're successful, why they're not, why com- comparisons between the two, stuff like that. It's pretty like, it's, it's nice because they're so digestible and very interesting. They also cover topics that like, you might remember that were pretty big. Um, I, I, I like to watch it when I'm just kind of having some downtime. It's sort of like one of those things where I've been working and now I'm going to go take a break and eat some lunch, put that on. And you get to like, just, I, I don't want to call it the pseudo intellectual thing where it's not, that's actually not even the right phrase. Cause that means something itself, but like the pseudo smart thing where it's like, uh, I want to make sure I'm always being educated at all times. So I make sure to squeeze stuff in as I can. It's really just more interesting than anything. I would hate to think you'd watch it for like uh, sources, but it's more like a Wikipedia quick notes of stuff that's uh, more in depth and more detailed than typical things. I would not classify them as video essays, which to me is a serious plus because they're not meandering. They're not overly long. They're not in a way self-important. They're just short little clips and the guy's been doing it for a very long time he's basically used the same song same intro same outro for ever and i find that endearing because it's just a side project this guy does and he really 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 enjoys it so check out company man so i'm recommending a bit of media from my homeland from my country of origin it recently took twitter by storm and there are articles written about it because it's such it is a great example of something that could not exist in the United States for various reasons, but it's so indicative of the culture it comes from. It is a little show that recently got licensed by Netflix and added to the service called Old Enough. Now, I am typically not a fan of most reality TV shows or hidden camera shows type shows. Uh, my issue with reality TV is that no matter how real, quote unquote, you want to make it, if people know there's a camera on them, they're going to act different. It's going to affect the way they interact with one another, or you can tell there's producers behind the scenes encouraging people to be more exaggerated or give into their impulses more old enough does not have that issue because old enough is about children from the ages of about two to maybe five or six years old. And what it is, is their parents give them an adult task to do, whether it's go down to the store, pick something up from the watch shop, go grab something from their car. They park down the street and a hidden camera crew follows these basically toddlers around to see how well they do the tasks And it is both extremely adorable and genuinely tense because kids are prone to make mistakes. They make very unique mistakes to them. Uh, And it's shockingly emotional. And it's emotional because the culture it is in, you know, there's one or two episodes where like a kid starts to cry because they messed up and they feel bad. But then they pull themselves up and they determine that, no, they must complete this task. There's one particular episode where a kid can't find a store they're supposed to go to and everyone in the little town knows that the kid is supposed to like on a show that day. And so everyone like gets out of their shop and they're clapping for the kid as they walk down the street Aww, and encourages cute. them. It's it's adorable. And episodes, the longest episode, I think maybe hits 20 minutes. Most of them range from like 9 to 15 minutes. 
and it's just so cute and it's also from the shows were running for like i think 30 years maybe but episodes range from about 2008 up through 2015 2016 so you also get little nice slices of various life uh in japan as well as just some nice cultural stuff like you see the some like you just a get to see how these cities and towns are structured and how it just looks so different from the united states there's also episodes where characters are getting things because they need them for their family shrines or something, um, which I think is just interesting to view. And it's uh, as someone who's experienced that in my in my own life and had very negative experiences of that for various reasons, it's nice to see um, just how it plays out in a typical Japanese family. So I uh, I I really enjoy it. It's a nice comfort watch. It gives you enough drama to keep invested, but it's also very very easy to watch. And gosh darn it, are these kids cute? It's uh, it's definitely convincing my wife and I to get kids sooner rather than later. I feel like <laughs> so old cute. enough. It's it's it it is it is very unique. It's unique for a reality show. So. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.